Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. It's been a long week, and I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. It's been a long month, and I am a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, and it doesn't matter how long it's been, though. It doesn't matter how long, Michael. You thought things were going to be different this time round, and you were wrong. <laughs> you should have listened to this podcast more, because no matter how long this podcast has been away for, we are back. And because we are back, we are, of course, the people you can call the front of the plane, because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast. Oh, I've missed saying this. You can follow this <laughs> podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow and let us know all your thoughts about the show. We love talking ourselves about talking horse. And we want, no, that's not right. We love talking ourselves, horse, about a talking horse. It's been a while. And we hope you will do that with us too. You can also follow either of your hosts on Twitter. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas. Or you can follow the now fully functional and 100% back (laughs) in the game, Michael Hamflit. I don't feel like I've been fully functional for about 10 years at Michael Hamflit. Um, you can indeed engage with Podcast Horseman through Twitter, as Adam Nicholas says. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on Amazon Music. Pretty much anywhere where you get podcasts, you can get Podcast Horseman. And we'd especially love you to do so. This month off has meant uh, we might have fallen out of podcast charts here and there. So if you want to download and listen all over again, we welcome that. Um, tell a friend, tell an enemy, get them to subscribe, it's all good. And if you want to leave us a five-star review, as you've heard every podcast ever beg for, um, you can do so through iTunes, you can probably do so through Spotify, you might be able to do so through Acast, where the podcast is embedded every Friday on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. If you want to leave us a five-star review, a few words, they can be nasty, they can be nice, but it gets up the charts, it gets more people finding us, it gets more people, as Nicholas says, talking themselves horse about a talking horse, and it gets you, your very own star, on our Hollywood Talk of Fame. Just a quick refresher if you check out at podcast horseman at podcast horseman on instagram you will find all the various stars with people's names that have left kindly left us feedback in the past you can get one of those yourself just by leaving us a little review that will get read out on the show just like somebody new at the very end of this review indeed and i as you may have guessed at this point it's been a while so there may be a little bit of ring rust michael and i think that's all right i think that's <laughs> pod, pod rust pod rust yeah. pod, i don't know that sounds about right to me um <laughs> But, nevertheless, let's steam forward in the usual fashion. I will tell you what I'm going to do, though, because it has been a while. For anybody who may have forgotten, the last episode that we watched was, of course, Season 4, 
episode eight, I believe, which is called, which was called the Judge, which was the whole Felicity um, Felicity Hoffman's Booty Academy. Is that right? That <laughs> yes. Yes. I can't even remember what her name is. There you go. Um, yes, that's what happened. Uh, Hollyhock. The synopsis for that one was that Hollyhock started dating the intern uh, on Bojack's new show, and the Princess Carolyn had met Ralph's parents, if you recall correctly. Mm. Uh, and Mr. Peanut Butter was throwing his support mm. behind Woodchuck. My word, that feels like a long time ago. But mm. the synopsis for this week's episode, as per Netflix, this is season four, episode nine. Ruthie is the name of this one, a good one as well, as we keep saying. Uh, on one awful day, Princess Carolyn deals with rejection, deception, and loss. Bojack and Diane try to track down Hollyhock's birth certificate. And it was nice to get back in the groove, man. It feels like it's been quite a while doing this. And it's thankfully, we just got a nice, um, happy, easy episode. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a nice soft launch back, wasn't it? Yeah, from the distant past of episode eight, we start in the wild future of episode nine of uh, season four, because we are in a school in space and uh, undefined time in the, the faraway future uh, with a robot teacher called Teachbot introducing a cat student called Ruthie, the titular uh, character from this episode, who is doing a presentation on her ancestor, her great, great, great grandmother, who I heard was pretty fine, Princess pretty Carolyn. Fine. Um, Ruthie explains how Princess Carolyn was highly regarded in the family history, uh, there's a few jokes about how the world has changed, uh, such as time now being controlled by beans rather than clocks, just to let us know just how far forward we've gone. And uh, Ruthie explains to the class uh, that for Ancestry Day, which is the day they're all celebrating today, she's going to talk about uh, one day back in the year 2017, the dim and distant past, uh, which is the present day for Bojack Horseman Season 4, uh, where she faced and overcame adversity. As Ruthie plays narrator, it uh, fades in to Princess Carolyn and Ralph in the present day, starting the day together in their house that they share. Uh, Ralph can't make Princess Carolyn's hospital appointment. She's going to uh, see the doctor today about the health of their baby that they're currently expecting. Um, as he's got a big work thing that he's got to do where they've, at uh, the card company, the Stilton Cards Company, they've got to come up with a, a new day out of thin air. So he can't make the appointment, but Princess Carolyn says not to worry, it's going to all be fine. Uh, and she just asks for one little sip of his coffee, even though the caffeine intake should obviously be pretty low because she's pregnant. Um, she says, quote, today is going to be great. As she says that, her necklace that we've seen her wear since the very beginning of the show suddenly breaks, the coffee spills everywhere, and we hear Ruth's voice cut back in as the narrator saying, she was wrong. Today was going to suck. So even when you're kind of given this speech from Ruthie, who we've only just met about how this is going to be an important day for Princess Carolyn overcoming things, you're not really permitted to get to the credits with any evidence of that. No, unfortunately, Michael, like most people would have probably felt around about March last year. <laughs> Just as you woke up that day and were like, it's going to be a good day today. This isn't a good day for Princess Carolyn already because she spilled stuff all over herself, all over that classic Princess Carolyn outfit that we see that she usually wears. The necklace is broken. And we don't, I never like seeing Princess Carolyn in peril in any way, shape or form. She's a good egg. She's one of the best eggs, but unfortunately, um, this isn't the start of the day maybe that she was looking for. No. Um, and it sort of continues. Uh, Ruthie continues to narrate uh, Princess Carolyn ringing Bojack Horseman. Um, it's at this point where she gets told off. We land back in the classroom and she gets told off by Teachbot uh, when she notes that Bojack and Princess Carolyn used to be lovers. That's a little bit blue for the class of other students. Um 
But in the meantime, uh, we go back to Bojack, who is just bullshitting on in the car about not wanting to do reality shows, as Princess Carolyn just desperately tries to remind him that she doesn't actually work for him. She also wants to stop fielding his offers, which she's still getting, um, because obviously the previous relationship they had and her role as a manager rather than an agent has meant that she's seen all these parts that are coming up for Bojack that she wants nothing to do with. But she does, as his friend-ish, say that um, they are pretty good offers. Um, and that maybe Bodak should, should at least consider them. Uh, he doesn't pick up on any of that through his own nonsense, and he hangs up and he's on with his day, uh, which is as follows. He's in the car with Diane. Uh, they go into the county courthouse to look up uh, Holly Hawk's birth certificate. They realised Bodak and Diane did through a very simple conversation that because she was adopted, it should be very easy to get the paperwork. Um, Diane is pretty sceptical that it's going to work, but Bojack notes that because he's a massive film star now, everybody just gives him everything. All he has to do is ask. Uh, he admits he only really wanted Diane for company after telling her it was a, quote, feminism-related <laughs> emergency so that she'd take the day off work. And before that conversation can continue, Teachbot cuts in again to know, quite reasonably, why the hell Ruthie might be talking about these ancillary characters. Ruthie, to us, the audience, and to the teacher, says that she needs them to, quote, fill out the world. Like a very cute reference there to why on earth we'd be learning a thing about Bojack in an episode being told to us. Princess Carolyn's ancestor. Um, we are back though, to PC and Judah. Um, they've got to see Vanessa Gecko and Rudabaker Rabinowitz, of course, they're rivals, but in this case, they're co agents of uh, film star Courtney Portnoy. Um, she's got another project coming up, which is a terrific tongue twister, an excuse for me not to have to try and spit these words out when I imagine you might do later on. I don't know, that might be a dare for you. Um, but yeah, Courtney Portnoy's got another ridiculously wordy film project that PC has been called over to do. Um, but in the process, uh, she bumps into Vanessa Gecko, of course, her famed rival. Um, they start their chat typically frostily and awkwardly, while Ruthie narrates that typically she would feel threatened and under pressure by Vanessa Gecko. But because she is the woman now having it all, the person that's got her own agency or management company, the person that is also pregnant and potentially going to get married, she sees Vanessa Gecko as somebody that was able to drive her to get those better things. And the dynamic immediately changes. Vanessa Gecko mocks her dress and Princess Carolyn coolly responds, you look tired, Veronica. Judah compliments her for the burn. It's really good. She's absolutely won that conversation with Vanessa Gecko as she almost never does. And she strides confidently towards Rita Baker to uh, find Courtney Portnoy. Um, they're waiting at a door for her and immediately the air is out of the balloon. Courtney Portnoy fires her. Due to her failures, obviously, with the uh, the gun movie after the gun crime outbreak, uh, the intended marriage to Todd that fell through. PC's big plans for that haven't worked out. Courtney Portnoy decided that's enough. Excuse me, Courtney Portnoy, I am no Amy Sedaris, uh, has decided that's know. enough. Um, the film that she was there to meet over uh, turned out to just be made up as an excuse to get her over there to fire her. Um, and then as she's leaving, Vanessa Gecko mocks her on the way out, so continues to get the last word. But she's optimistic that things will be fine. And Judah typically is right there alongside her, keeping everything going with her, keeping her day on track. Um, he suggests uh, bringing Bojack Horseman back into her stable, no pun intended, and there were several other horse puns, because at least the offers that are coming in are money spinners. And now that she's lost Courtney Portnoy, maybe that will kind of like top up the uh, excess losses. But uh, Princess Carolyn is, gives him kind of like quite a stern, firm no on it. She doesn't want to blow those lines between business and pleasure again. Um, we've now had, in combination with the coffee spillage in the cold open, spoiler alert, the first of a few things that won't go PC's way today. Um, I like 
that you were set up to not expect the first one in winning that conversation with Gecko, only to have the rug pulled away so quick. It just felt extra cruel that we got that moment of glory before everything was returned to the, the crushing normal. Like a false moment of glory, of course, wasn't it? Like very short-lived, to say the least, which if you look at Princess Carolyn and Vanessa Gecko's history, we probably should have expected, really, but it yeah. felt like maybe the winds had changed yeah, for a second and then, sadly... <laughs> <laughs> it all turned on a dime real quick for Princess Carolyn. It's it's funny though because I guess in a rare occasion, I guess you could say, if you look at the data statistically, like this has kind of been coming. Like the stuff that's mm. been happening with Courtney, and I mean we also saw Bojack, who obviously fired her previously because things were starting to slip. You just wonder if she's biting off more than she can chew in this whole juggling or attempting to juggle everything the way that Vanessa Gecko does. We're seeing it maybe hasn't benefited her in the same way, as of mm. yet, at least. And per Ruthie's narration, is Princess Carolyn telling herself a false story about that life of having it all there? How... She simply wouldn't have had that burn in her without feeling like she was winning. And yet, as you say, the objective evidence is starting to pile up that she's not. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, there's that nice element here, I think, as well, with Ruthie as the storyteller, who's being... Oh, sort of telling back a story she's been told. We mm. kind of have that. How reliable is the narrator themselves? Is in yes. like because Princess Carolyn comes up with a sick burn, I say, with like <laughs> finger guns. But of course, whenever we're telling a story to friends and family, we always come up with sick burns. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's mm. that's the. I guess that's the. It's not something I'd considered, but yeah. uh, obviously they they do play with the unreliable narrator. But to the extent where yeah, you would win in every story if you could. Of course you would. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apart from where the objective facts take over, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. There's absolutely nothing you can do to stop yourself undermining yourself just seconds later. Yeah. Um, on the day goes where uh, she tries to turn it around. Um, she speaks to Mr. Peanut Butter at this point about possibly working in Hollywood again. Um, but as you pointed out at the start of the podcast, he's too busy currently working on the Woodchuck, Kudchuk Berkowitz political campaign. He's out of the race, but he wants to ensure that Woodchuck wins. Um, and she heads to a jeweller to get a, a necklace, which she informs the jeweller is a priceless family heirloom, get the clasp on it replaced, 24 carat gold. At this point, um, Ruthie actually recounts the rich history of the necklace via a truly bizarre retelling of the uh, Princess Carolyn family history. We get a series of oddly animated shots that I can only describe visually as looking like a series of cat memes. It's <laughs> real life cat heads yeah. on sort of doll bodies, cartoon bodies, with the one constant throughout history moving through time of the necklace. The necklace itself was there from the very beginning on these strange cat headed people. It's not in the Bojack animation style at all. It looks yeah. like almost like craft paper made, um, again, with these cat heads, as if Ruthie, the narrator, is trying to transpose a different reality on the animated reality that we're all used to. I, I felt like that was an important difference that she was trying to establish in telling the story of this necklace. Yeah, the animation is, so it's amazing, we should also point out as well, the way they do this. We've seen one instance that was, I guess, technically the same kind of, well, in a way. You know, back in the, the old Sugarman Place episode, I think, is it, is it? Or maybe, it's, no, I think it might be one where Bojack's hallucinating and he <laughs> looks in the mirror and it's a, just the, the reflection is an actual horse, like not yeah. an animated horse, it's an actual horse. So, I mean, it's a similar state of that, but I guess you're absolutely right in the terms of the animations. I think that we I described it was still, like cut out still images that look like they were like made from paper, like you would 
if you had them on little sticks and you were going like da, 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 yes. and moving them left, right, and centre. It's just so well done, though, the way they do this, like the cats and the layers of cats. Among, like the way they layer the animation as well, he has absolutely brilliant. Obviously, for anybody who's watching it, you will have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's um, stunningly effective because it's much in the same way that we, um, in the present now, reflect times in the past. You kind of visualise the world in black and white if that's the only version mm -hmm. of the world you've ever seen. So within the narrative of Bojack Horseman, it's almost like that's how you reflect the past and the animated show is the real present. So that's the funny thing I thought, yeah, was that they used real images for their what they would be their animated version of their reality, if that makes sense. Yeah. They yeah, used no, our reality is their animated version, which I thought was great. It's a very, very inspired and unexpected touch. Um, we're back in the jewellers and uh, Princess Carolyn has told she's got to come back in two hours for the Aeroplace clasp. Uh, and right as she's about to leave, she bumps into Charlie Weatherspoon, who, of course, is smashing the place up with his sticky tree frog hands. Every cabinet he tries to touch falls over. Glass and jewellery everywhere, priceless heirlooms. Um, it's revealed in a bit of pleasant conversation with Charlie that Charlie Weatherspoon had actually offered Judah to buy Vim outright. But Judah turned her down. Uh, sorry, turned him down without telling Princess Carolyn. Um, this does, of course, relate to a conversation back in season three, where we saw discussion of the potential merger between the two. Um, but Princess Carolyn is shaken by this news, to say the least. She is shocked. She no-sells it a little bit to Charlie to try and come out of the situation with a little bit of professionalism. Um, but it's very apparent that she feels very uneasy about it. Uh, under Ruthie's narration again, we see Princess Carolyn suspiciously spying on Judah after the fact. He's working away in her office and she's kind of creeping up the window having a look. Her faith is visibly shaken by this um, revelation. Um, she goes back in to, to speak with him and notes that she'd actually seen Charlie to try and tease a confession of sorts out of Judah just by merely mention of his name. But Judah typically, and you sense, not like unwittingly so, kind of stonewalls her when she expects him to break. He remains nothing but stoic and professional and serious. Um, he's All he's really got to tell her is what's on for the rest of her day. She reluctantly agrees to move on with what they've got planned. And he reminds her, because he is that professional, that she's got to head to a hospital appointment now, which he's rescheduled to, quote, make her life easier. Um, it's a very new and uncomfortable wrinkle in what was otherwise a kind of perfect, maybe the one seemingly perfect relationship in princess carolyn's life up to this point certainly the one perfect male relationship i think in mm. princess carolyn's life more specifically maybe the one male character in this show who actually does anything for princess carolyn actually, yeah. now that i think about it um but immediately you start to get this awful feeling in your stomach when this all starts to unravel don't you because mm -hmm. this is a We've already been told, Michael, this is this was not going to be a good day. And I didn't want to say this. <laughs> she was already having <laughs> a hard time. And we love Judah. We don't want mm. we don't want to say this, but we are headed down a path we maybe aren't necessarily that keen to go down, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, and I think they know that because we get a little bit of a release uh, after this. Uh, Bojack and Diana are in a queue at the courthouse. It's yeah. grim. It looks like every state or council or any kind of like local authority building you've ever been in your life, it looks like a miserable experience. And Bojack, using the aforementioned star power, just tries to the push to the front of the queue to get seen straight away. Um, the woman at the counter has no idea who he is, um, which frustrates him immensely. But she does recognise Diane from her girl crush avatar. Um, she loves 
quote, 20 reasons to try the Diva Cup, um, and eventually hands Bojack this enormous, like cartoonishly big, in a cartoon, I'm aware, cartoonishly big stack of files that he needs to fill in in order to get the rest necessary paperwork um, to find out what he needs. Um, and as uh, Diane and Bojack are walking away with Bojack still ranting and raving at this woman, um, she fawns over Diane as they leave. And you can see Diane is like quite pleased, a little bit flustered, but quite pleased to have been noticed in a way that she wouldn't have expected that day. Um, we're back to Princess Carolyn. Um, and it's not going to get any better. She's with the albino rhino gyno, um, and that's the only point the scene is funny. Um, he's, he's, the only, lousy... he's, the only, he's the only one that I know, Michael. <laughs> he's lousy as ever at delivering what is in this case heartbreaking news. Um, Princess Carolyn has had a miscarriage. She takes it remarkably well. She takes his appalling delivery of it in her stride. Um, it's loaded with gallows humour, that I recommend anybody go back and enjoy because it's probably the only way Bojack Horseman could deal with this mm. um, and be true to itself. This animal making ridiculous references about how it must be quite a shock. Not to me. I do this every day. And just yeah. can, like underselling and almost no selling the pain that his client, Princess Carolyn, is going through. Um, but all he does offer in the way of support is a lift from the hospital and that's the one thing she rejects because she wants to be independent and she wants to get herself home she doesn't need anybody's help getting through this um which you know theoretically is patently not the case but nonetheless she kind of insists upon it and off she goes um she is in a rush to get back to the jewelers anyway so we find her quite breathless and tired arriving back at the store and finds out from the jeweler that it's actually gold plated not real gold um, the jeweler says it's quote pretty but worthless and I'm only saying it's pretty to make you feel better. Uh, it's not been in her family for generations at all. It's costume jewellery from JC JCPenney. Um, she holds up a printout of the exact um, item from a JC JCPenney catalogue uh, from 1963, priced $15. Uh, Princess Carolyn just kind of like slinks off, tail between her legs, goes back to her car and sobs. She finally lets something go from the stage. She sobs and sobs and sobs, um, but then stops herself when Ralph calls. Um, Ralph is obviously asking how the appointment's gone and she elects to lie. She says that the um, doctor's appointment got pushed back and she'll have an update for him later on. Um, we're back to Princess Carolyn's office later on on that same day where she's nursing the whiskey. Uh, when Judah goes in, uh, unaware that she was there seemingly from him being a little bit startled by her sat in the office nursing the whiskey, um, as he was earlier on when he handed her a decaf coffee, he flags up that maybe she shouldn't be drinking whiskey. Uh, she blows that off entirely and is short with him in general um, before just outright confronting him about the Charlie Weatherspoon conversation and the offer. He can't get his reply in over her anger, her rage, her frustration, her sadness. Um, he just repeatedly keeps trying to explain himself, I guess, but we never properly get that. Um, and it gets to the point where Princess Carolyn gets quite mean and quite spiteful towards him as well. Um like has a kind of a go at his personality, notes that he'd be the weirdo in another company, um, while sort of tacitly undermining his work rate at the same time. And um, he finally manages to explain that he was just trying to protect her, but it just doesn't wash at this point, especially at this time on this day. Um, Princess Carolyn like simplifies the whole thing. She says, quote, if I can't trust you, I can't work with you, you're fired. And it is over pretty much as simple as that. Judah sighs deeply. Um, it's long, it's laboured, it's really, really sad. Sadder than him begging for his job back or anything. It's just this resigned acceptance of it uh, before thanking her for everything and leaving. 
literally as he's walking out the door, reminding her that she still has that reservation with Ralph at eight o'clock. Um, <laughs> Teachbot cuts in from Ruthie's narration of the story at this point to question why it's gotten so dark. But it's all right, Nicholas, because uh, Ruthie promises a happy ending. Um, I hope she doesn't break that promise because I'm feeling pretty sad. Yeah, I hope so too, Michael. <laughs> I really hope <laughs> so. Um, I tell you what, though, I think that's just a little thing to add there about uh, Judah. Obviously, this is the worst. The worst. We didn't want to say this at all. Uh, again, we love Judah. Um, and not just because day by day as this pandemic continues, my hair and beard continue to grow in a, sim <laughs> in a similar fashion to his. But you mentioned there the big deep sigh. And I really thought this was like well done because not only do I feel like it's like really sad and really solemn, but also a reflection of exactly the kind of character they've painted with Judah. It feels almost like he takes a moment, meditation isn't the right word, but a moment to mentally prepare himself. Like this is a guy whose actions are obviously very clinical and very well rehearsed and like the guy is very correct and present and mm. He takes this huge, huge, like shuts his eyes and takes the deep breath to the point where it's almost like he's getting himself in this mental zone where he can prepare himself to go and then have to deal with the worst news he could possibly get. And uh, I just thought it was great. I thought it was just, there was a lot going on there and that little one tiny movement. And that's that's what this show does, man. It gets you in, in ways that others don't. It's um, it's interesting as well. I think that in, and we've said it, you know, this isn't a planned bit of dialogue between the two of us, but you've said at different points, we love Princess Carolyn, and then later on said, you know, we love Judah. That's yeah. heart, heart on your sleeve emotion for these characters that I think mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you're written to feel as well. Uh, and they've they've been given bombshells of differing seismic realities in their lives, but personal bombshells nonetheless. Mm -hmm. One scene after another, as the audience we've made to in, endure something incredibly sad, for Princess Carolyn, and then something incredibly sad for Judah, back to back. It's it's a it's a it's a hard one-two punch by design. I think it is. And at, at this point, my least favorite character is now Ruthie because she's the one who's done all of this to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell a different story. Come um, on, Ruthie, man, paint a different picture. <laughs> well, she is here to answer your prayers, if only for a very brief second, because we're back to Bojack and Diane. Um, He's exasperated with his experience. Uh, he's not been treated like a star at all, but at least the forms are done with at last. We're not going to get a lot more of Bojack in this episode, save for a little scene at the end. So I guess all we can like, land on here is that he's taken the next big step forward with Hollyhock. Maybe that will be revisited in the next episode. Um, but on to uh, Princess Carolyn and Ralph's dinner. They're at the restaurant together. Um, and before Princess Carolyn can obviously share the terrible news with Ralph, <laughs> this is... This is like a sequel to the Albino Rhino Gyno, the only one that I know, scene, in that we get a ludicrous string of pronunciation gags with, of course, the Italian restaurant owner that we've now become very accustomed to, the ridiculous, um, for some circles, let's say Mario, for other circles, let's say Santino Morella, affected Italian accent in which he um, overplays everything in order to quite neatly fit in with the plot of the episode. And this is a very dark plot. Our man Sandro, of course, the man who now runs our latest food joint, which has always been the case since the disastrous happenings at <laughs> Elephant Day. But yes, I'm going to let you go here because 
we're just going to have to get through this because my god, this is the it's one of the most ridiculous we've had in a while, and it's been a while. Yeah, let me um, let me see if I can channel. Oh back god! Without oh god! Here we go. I wasn't ready for this, um, but yes, please. So yes, yeah, Sandro is talking about television with Ralph and uh, Princess Carolyn, and uh, a new drama, Scandal, starring Kerry Washington, or as he refers to her as Mister Kerry. Um, as they're making their orders, he notices Carrie Underwood, the actress, arriving in the restaurant, who he welcomes with a convivial and jovial, ah, Miss Carrie. Right behind her is the actor Carrie Mulligan, who he again greets warmly, as he would, ah, Miss Carrie. And then finally behind her, Mariah Carey, to which she greets her as Miss Carrie, first name Mariah. <laughs> This is a goddamn joke, man. Like, no, it's not a goddamn joke. It's four goddamn miscarriage jokes. One after another, after another, after another. When a character, let's go back to this, we love, has got to deal with passing on this heartbreaking news to Ralph. She can't cope. I can't. I'm with her. Um, she can't cope and leaves, um, saying she'll see Ralph at home. Um, Ruthie. Cuts back in a little bit again at this point to explain that uh, Princess Carolyn didn't really feel at ease going back to the house she now shares with uh, with Ralph. So instead, uh, Lo ends up back at her old apartment, which, as we know through conversations with Todd, she kept without telling Ralph, just in case. And we didn't know what that just in case was for, and I guess now we found out why. She gets back to the apartment, she flicks on the light, and Todd is just there with a load of those terrifying clown dentists for anyone <laughs> like forgotten during our break, and I wish I had. This is PB Living's latest venture. What? Sorry, you need more information than clown dentists. I don't have it for you. They are clown dentists. Nope. They're working on a kid. His mother isn't there. Todd is very sketchy about where that kid has come from and where his parents might be, as he is when the child wakes up from the uh, anaesthetic and then is just given more lasting gas, so he passes back out. It's a horrifying scene. Princess Carolyn is unaffected by it. She's having too bad a day to really care. And she says it's all right. She only wants a quick nightcap. We get that classic Bojack uh, title card gag. Seven quick nightcaps later, and everybody's hammered. Uh, Todd, <laughs> Princess Carolyn, and all the clown dentists are getting absolutely wrecked. You know, but it looks, you know, to be honest, like a pretty great party. All of a sudden, I'm it on does. board with clown dentists. Um, certainly, <laughs> this era we're living in, I would give anything for a clown dentist house party. Um, it, it results in an absolutely delicious gag. Ralph knocks on the door. Uh, and Princess Carolyn realises him and has to shoo Todd and the clown dentist out. They all leave in a circus-like manner, one after another, out of every corner of the house. It's just a, a joyous little bit of animation in what you know is going to be quite a sad time. Um, Ralph comes in. He was worried about her. She hadn't called. She wasn't at home. Um, v is just the right side of his possessive nature, but that's starting to creep out a little bit again. Um, he notes, and what a detail this was, he notes that Judah thought she might be at her old apartment. Um, so he's been in touch with Judah and there he's learned that Judah has, of course, lost his job, but he was still bang right about where Princess Carolyn was because, of course, he was. Um, he's surprised and disheartened that she kept her old place. Um, and when he asks why she's been drinking, obviously, again, with concern, uh, that's when she reveals that they've lost the baby. Um, Ralph notes that they can try, quote, other options, but Princess Carolyn wants to do it without any kind of medical intervention and what we can assume from Ralph's suggestion, adoption or fostering or anything like that. She wants to do it her way and be able to give birth. Um, 
she then notes kind of matter of factly that she's actually had five miscarriages um over her life which is again another shock to ralph they've had two of course together that we were aware of in the show and obviously she's had another three at some point i did like as well how that kind of made you slightly rethink her response to the albino rhino gyno while we were absorbing the shock it was something she was quite sadly resigned to and that's why she probably didn't want the lift home she's had to make that sad drive four times before um she kind of puts him on the spot a little bit and and why not i guess at this point she is aware that this can happen over and over again um but she's okay with that and she needs to know that he is too um, he doesn't give her a straight answer and again suggests that dreaded quote other options um, and that's enough for Princess Carolyn. She quite angrily, she is pissed but she quite angrily shoves him away and out and uh, and ultimately, so not to fight her over it, just relents with his own very sad and quite similar to Judah quote, goodbye Princess Carolyn, it's just over. I won't say it's simple as that but it is over. Um Princess Carolyn goes back to the office at even after o'clock than it was before. Um, and she gets a call from Bojack, who uh, who doesn't want any of those offers that they were at least we talked about earlier on before. She doesn't work for him, Nicholas. This is not her job. Not, work least, from. Time, no. not least at this time of day, on this particular day. Um, and anyway, his faith in fame has been shaken by the fact that he's had to queue today. Um, there is a <laughs> split second of a sweet moment where uh, he asks how her day was only to interrupt and talk about his own rubbish one before he lets her answer. Um, and it's all petty nonsense about an ice cream and an ice cream salesman and obviously all the queuing. It's, it's Bojack's rubbish that he just likes to spout because he believes he it's has the, the right to... Yeah, he just believes he has the right to own this conversation because he probably believes he still owns Princess Carolyn. Um, and she doesn't get to talk about a bad day, but she does get to talk about how she deals with her bad days. Um she explains at this point to Bojack that when she's had a particularly bad day, and we know she's had one of her worst, she imagines a great, great, great granddaughter, who's pretty fine, um, in the future, talking to a class about how everything worked out in the end. Bojack, with a bit of empathy, admittedly, notes, but it's fake, to which Princess Carolyn just notes how it makes her feel better, and credits <laughs> we see there's no happy ending there's no future there's no nothing there's no anything how's the pandemic for you it's fine for me i'm, I'm having a blast <laughs> god, damn. god damn this ending oh, i know i know i know i know there's a, I'm, i've just realized if we go back to the beginning of this podcast i said this is a good episode and i think you <laughs> might have mis- you might have misunderstood me <laughs> in what i meant not a good as in happy good, but it is a good narrative episode. It just happens that the narrative is a real kick in the dick for the whole episode. <laughs> or to, you know, there's probably a more apt phrase there. Just look at me. The blokes just making it about themselves once again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what a heartbreaking way to end this one. Like, kind of nice to the extent that she dreams ahead that far. But obviously the realisation that this whole thing is just a piece of fiction and when Bojack says, but it's fake, it was just, it's so, it literally just cuts through the 26 odd minutes that you just watched, like it cuts it in half, basically, um, apart from all the real stuff that we've obviously had. And it just, 
it's heartbreaking. The couple that along with the Princess Carolyn crying in a car scene, man, it just oh. it's the whole thing is just and the continually callous like like as we've established, the men in Hollywood are pretty rubbish. Um but they are especially rubbish and unequipped to deal with everything that happens to Princess Carol in this episode. Apart from Judah, of course. I think we could probably say. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, I really like the choice of words there. That um, An F word that we don't need to censor for a change. Um, fake. I thought that was a really powerful one-liner from Bojack because, um, and again, we talk about rules of three and th- through lines through the episode. And ultimately, it's it's... A, a, a wider point about the things that have gone wrong in Princess Caroline's life because things just weren't what she thought they were. Her relationship with Ralph was not what she thought it was because she believed it would be strong enough to survive something that she has had to endure on her own in the past um, and something that they have indeed survived in the past. Uh, her relationship with Judah was not what she thought it was because something has happened with what she believes to be kind of the perfect specimen of an assistant that has happened without her knowing. Obviously, the tragic case of a miscarriage, her baby is not, her situation is not what she thought it was when she woke up that day. Um, Right down to the, what on another another day would have been just a weird setback. Her necklace is not what she thought it was. Just like Ruthie to us isn't what we thought she was. Fake is cruel and cutting, but consistent through the whole episode. Yep, and also, ironically, consistent with, Bojack's whole narrative, right? Because everything he's deeming about himself, the perceptions of fame, that's all fake as well. Doesn't that doesn't none of it counts for anything. So the only person who gets any recognition is Diane in this episode, like from that standpoint. Yeah. Uh, and she doesn't even want it. She doesn't even want the fame. <laughs> like that's the irony of it. It's so fickle, and, and the narrative is only whatever you make of it. Just a great way they tie this all together. Like the whole episode is. The narrative is whatever you, the characters, have made it. And that is a continual theme throughout, whether it's Carolyn, whether it's Diane, through our right now, whether it's Bojack, through just, I'm a celebrity and I want things. <laughs> if there's anything that you could remotely classify as real, and I, I really like this the more we sort of talk it through, um, the characters that Ruthie, who is now Princess Carolyn, so the characters that Princess Carolyn's character has added for colour is obviously a meta joke. Yeah. We need to see what's happening in Bojack Horseman, we the viewers. But yeah. aside from that being a meta joke, all Bojack has done, it's not even a B plot. It's not even a C plot. He's in the show for two or three minutes, and every cut to is him in the most routine, mundane, relatable thing. Probably in like top five of everything we've seen in Bojack, which yeah. is having to get in a goddamn post office queue or a, get a form from the council or something like that. Mm. Nothing happens. Bojack stands in a queue, can't get seen any quicker than he would like, fills out the forms, it takes him ages, he doesn't get any immediate satisfaction because he's got to wait 28 days for a response, all that sort of stuff. That's as real as it gets. And it's boring, and it's unremarkable. That's like, and that's a lot of life, isn't it? That's just like, that's the putting one foot in front of the other stuff. Unfortunately, it doesn't come with big standout moments and all the glitz of Hollywood and Hollywood's like just the sheen that it puts on everything. And every, every character in a film or a TV show is living a glossy version of real life. But like the walls are beige and the ancillary characters in the office are just sat there waiting. They're in their own queues. And the woman behind the counter likes Diane's work. But we never learn anything more about her. 
she's there yeah. for the benefit of that one interaction in her working day, and then she's gone again. It's it's dead real. It's painfully real. Mm. The choices for the colours of the walls in that place, man, I just saw, like, even the outside of the building, everything about mm. it is just, you've seen that building, it exists. Like, we've all been to it for whatever reason, uh, whatever version of that building it is for you. And it, it really does summarise just how mundane and boring the stuff that Bojack's doing in this episode is, despite the fact he's supposed to be the one who's living that Hollywood yeah. life, Hollywood lifestyle and all that kind of thing. Um, but yes, I think we're probably talking about the, the narrative in this episode enough. Mm-hmm. I am going to warn you now, though, it's no cakewalk going through the, <laughs> this segment of the show. If you just joined us, well, you're in for a treat. And if you haven't just joined us, well, you're also in for a treat. Look at you, I guess. <laughs> you, you came back because the treat was good the first time. But this is the part of the show we call Horsing Around, where we go back to the very beginning of the episode. And we basically go through everything that you might have missed, all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, all of the Easter eggs, all of the little details maybe within this episode that might have made you laugh, might have made you cry in this episode, who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> go back to the very beginning. And let's go to the futuristic classroom, as I've called it at the beginning of my notes here. A lot going on here, like a lot going on in this room. And outside of it. So outside first, you will notice there's a massive sign for the Pig Bang Theory, Michael. (laughs) Would you believe it? Which is now in its 115th season (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Our whole universe is in a hot, dense sty. (laughs) As hot, dense sty. As we see Sheldon Cooper, who is a robot pig, no less, on the poster. (laughs) And it gets better. Who is proclaiming at the top of his lungs, Michael, what do you think he's saying? Instead of Bazinga, he's saying Bazoinka because he's a pig, Michael. (laughs) Someone has spent ages on this gag just for the sake of that one little moment. (laughs) Unbelievable. Also, though, on the outside of the, the classroom, what you see outside of the window, there's a bunch of people who are flying around, Michael, on drone thrones which apparently, ah, yeah. in the future, stayed on. As you remember, Todd, the inventor, or certainly the inventor of the idea of the drone throne, I believe it's Emily who has them made up by her company with all her money, um, apparently they, they caught on. Because as you will find out in this episode, Michael, you will see the date, which is uh, Thursbeen, <laughs> rather than Thursday. <laughs> Thursbeen, the 23rd of April, the year is 2121. So all those years later, uh-huh. Todd... And his invention are still kicking around, which is cool to see. Um, Torf, who we talked to in this episode, is one of the pupils in the classroom. The, I think it's a turtle kid. Yeah. He's green. Not that I'm seeing all turtles look alike or all green people look alike, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's meant to be a turtle. Um, he is wearing on his eye an eye scanner, you'll notice throughout the episode. Now, for anyone who's a fan of Dragon Ball Z, I just thought it was cool because they looked a little bit like the scouters that they wear. And you won't even know anything about this, Michael, because I know you don't watch Dragon Ball Z, but you do know the joke about the over nine or over over nine thousand or over whatever it is, the power up level that Wanda Rousey was wearing the t-shirt basically when she came out to help the Oh yes. At WrestleMania, over nine thousand yeah. on the top. Well, that's what this, the eye scanner thing is, and that's what I right. thought it reminded me of. And it's just I'm sure someone has put that in there with their chance of doing stuff for the future. That was a nice little segue for anybody who cares. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And the other thing is the temperature of the room, in case you're wondering, is 127 degrees chilly, according to the... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's also more in this room. I'm sorry, this room has got so much going on. There's a poster for the sun which has like a diagram of the sun and it shows you there's like explosions. It says, it like points to layers of the sun. So it says explosions, filler, then it says the core. And then there's like these little blotches on the sun, which it says sun acne. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the little tags at the bottom say, now only 50 million miles away from the earth. (laughs) (laughs) And then it also says friendly and warm, unlike the miserable moon. (laughs) me too and there's also a poster for what we can't really see a lot of the other bits but there's a poster that is the shape of a pyramid which is called the nourishment cube pyramid michael because as we <laughs> nice. kind of find out throughout this episode life has been life and food has been replaced by like pills and cubes mm. uh, and the poster says it's your guide to eating a healthy portion of nourishment cubes per day <laughs> <laughs> like a hellscape, which is prefaced by an apple on the teacher's desk, on a uh, teach pot's desk, in the shape of a cube that is just floating around for the whole episode. Nice. Um, there's also, if you look out the window again, you'll be able to see the Hollywood sign, uh, but all of the outside has been replaced with water because, of course, the presumably the ice caps have finally melted and we've all got what we deserve for climate change. And all of the hills that Hollywood sign is originally on have no greenery on them anymore whatsoever. They are just like mounds of mud with the word Hollywood written across them, which goes well, really, doesn't it? I'm lost in... So the idea is, so there's just loads of water. Yeah, and they're just floating in the air, I think, on this little... Yeah, this can't be the year 2021. It must be the year 3000 because we've already got the great-great-great-granddaughter who's pretty fine and not much has changed, but they live underwater. Not much must refer to the time, which has moved to beans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, I think the creators 20... of Bojack Horseman have been busted here. Quite possibly. I mean, you've definitely jumped. You've literally jumped to the exact point I've got on my notes next, which you have also mentioned throughout this episode repeatedly. But I've got to say it because it's there that Ruthie is, of course, Princess Carol's Princess Carolyn's great, great, great dad, granddaughter. Um, although I have yet to see in this episode any triple-breasted women, which 
you know, if they'd really paid attention, <laughs> they would have done it. Because, of course, this whole thing is a nod to Busted's Year 3000, the song, as Michael has alluded to many times already. Um, ironically, though, let's talk about triple pictures, Michael, of strong female characters that come on the <laughs> whiteboard or the, the screen behind um, Ruthie as she attempts to explain her story. She talks about her great, great, great grandma, uh, Princess Carolyn. And on the screen, we see three figures. We see Princess Carolyn basically done up as Cleopatra, who we're calling Cleopatra. Uh, We've got Joan of Arc character, Princess Carolyn, is in a bunch of armour. And then we've got an image of Princess Carolyn as Rosie the Riveter, who you will know anybody who's ever seen any um, political posters from the past from the labor for labor in particular of just uh rosie the Riveter rolling her sleeves up and getting ready to do the work in during mm. world war ii when the men were away and the women had to do the graft um and that funnily enough though we did find an interesting time with this mm. didn't we doing our homework which we thought was well, can't be coincidental can it let's be honest um because in the film if you go back into the film in the mood from 1987 there was an actress called Joycey Katz who played Rosie the Riveter, mm-hmm. or certainly, the, sorry, the character was named Rosie the Riveter in this film, and obviously a nod to that Rosie the Riveter. But Joycey Katz, that just feels too, that feels too specific, that. So we've yeah. yet to figure out what the Joan of Arc gag is. Someone mm. will have to let us know if they have found, what the, if there's a tie in there that we're just idiots and have missed, please do <laughs> let us know at Podcast Horseman. Um we're still in this room, by the way. I told you this was a long one. We're still in the future. <laughs> um, there's, there's also a bunch of images of clocks on this. You know, she mentions about time. She's basically updating all of the, the pupils about time in her classroom. And we see that advert for, like, a Rolex, which a guy's got wrapped around his hand. It's very, like, a, like an advert you see in GQ magazine or something. Mm-hmm. And there's another image next to that of Big Ben. There's also an image for a, a, a brand called What Time Is It Right Now? dot com um and there's also an, there's also an image of <laughs> there's also an image of flavor flavor with his big clock around his neck <laughs> of course a public enemy holding it in his hands i thought it was amazing but that's how she explains time to the classroom for anybody who didn't know at this point not the beans michael which they count as time now anyway finally we move we've moved to our next location we find bojack in his car and I just thought it was great. He's on the phone to Princess Carolyn. He hangs up and then he's talking to Diane about her blog entry that she's going to do. And he says, how's this for a headline for the blog? For the blog post you write about, you write about this, quote, Bojack finally solves mystery of Hollyhock's mother, comma, looks handsome, colon, is cool, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> Which ties into a gag from way back in the very beginning of Bojack Horseman, where he used to just try and pitch Todd these terrible news headlines and right, the joke yeah. gag was, you they were like, I'm really not sure what newspapers you've been reading. His <laughs> headlines are way too big. Well, it seems all this time ahead, he still hasn't got any better. We go to the at least nine stories tower, which is, of course, the home of the Rabitowitz Gecko or Gecko Rabitowitz mm-hmm. um, agency. Uh, and as we find out, the place where it's located, Michael, is in San Fernando, but it's San Fernando, you see? Like... Fear, because they're animals. You see what's happened here? (laughs) But on top of that, they're in a coffee shop, or there's a coffee shop attached to the towers, which is called uh, Civet Coffee. 
which for anybody who knows, a civet is a small, lean, mostly nocturnal mammal that is native to tropical Asia and Africa. There you are. So that's the name of the coffee shop as an animal tie-in. But you'll know there's another one because they're offering on their poster for you to try their new Catpuccino, Michael, which sounds delicious, I have to say. <laughs> something just... <laughs> sounds like something I would like to get involved with. <laughs> <laughs> the Catpuccino for anybody who wants one. Especially because that's the kind of day the Princess Carolyn's about to have. I think she's about to drink a lot of cat poo, Chino. <laughs> <laughs> but also, before we even get into the building, I'm just going to try and soldier on while Michael oh. loses, his, uh, loses his mind, basically, off camera. Um, there's a car outside that Princess Carolyn gets out of. Her license plate is YOL nine lives which is essentially yolo nine lives or you'll only live nine lives which is <laughs> that's really good i like that's really good really really good um <laughs> she's gonna need them today of course <laughs> and we're still not even in the building yet because then after that <laughs> as a taxi drives by and on the taxi is an advert on the top for hey i think you can dance which is of course the show that hank hippopolis is of mm. course the 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 guy who's the the host of that show, he's obviously still at large, Michael. Hank Hickopolis, he has not been taken down. And the fact that we see a grim reminder that the blokes of Hollywood are still thriving just yep. before Princess Carolyn's really bad day is about to get really, really bad. I just thought that was such a little, I don't know, sucker punch that we maybe didn't need anyway. But hey, this is this is Bojack Horseman. It'll get you when you least expect it. <laughs> Um, but we go and we go into at least nine stories tower, and the amount of gags that are coming to, down this corridor. Princess Carolyn's walking down the corridor, talking to Judah, and of course we will have to get to it in just a second. But the first poster she walks past is for, <laughs> for the film called Uncle Cook, Michael, <laughs> <laughs> and the tagline for the, the tagline for the film is this Christmas. Someone's getting cooked. <laughs> and it's a film that's starring Robert De Niro, Channon Tatum, and Laura Linney. And the film has, the poster has Channon Tatum and Laura Linney kissing in the background, and Robert De Niro doing that, <laughs> that face from the, what's the face for the famous painting where the screen, face screams? You know the one. He's doing that. <laughs> It's amazing. And that's just one little cutaway gag as she walks through. Right before Princess Carolyn, of course, we come in at the narrative here. She delivers the tongue twister that you were referring to earlier, which I guess I'll give a go because this might yeah, be the yeah. longest one. I think this might be the longest one she's ever done. I'll just uh, prepare myself here. <coughs> ha, 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 ha. Here we go. <clears throat> because as she told, uh, as we kind of get told by Ruthie, which is then told by Princess Carolyn, she's Trying to get her client, Courtney Portnoy, cast in Corpse Me If You Can Can, the 1940s Cannes France said story of a can can dancer who contracts cancer but continues to can can as a canny cadaver who plays the accordion with Kevin Corrigan, Kevin Klein, Chris Klein, Chris Pine, and Chris Catan. And I deserve a round of applause. That was tremendous. Do you know what? I didn't even want to clap straight away because I was worried that there was one last bit to come. Because the way Amy Sedaris rattles through that is insane. Unbelievable. Like they 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 relish testing her with these. They only get bigger. 
They only get bigger and more complex as she walks down this corridor, no less. Never mind <laughs> the actual show. But as she does continue to walk past, we see a poster, Michael, for Flight of the Pegasus, which you may recall is the film that Bojack was almost in the uh, in the offing for. But then Carolyn fudges up the deal and, and it ends up going to Chuff Hollister. Do you remember this? This is all happens earlier yeah. on in the show. Yes. It's almost like she's walking past reminders of the bad stuff she's done because we find oh, out. Yeah. We find out that the poster is Pegasus, or Flight of the Pegasus, the trilogy begins starring Chuff oh. Hollister, Chuff Hollister, Lenernene de Capricorn, <laughs> <laughs> and the famous co star that he has in this film, Some Lady. <laughs> <laughs> Who I believe we've seen has been nominated for awards before. He <laughs> has been nominated for many awards at this point. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, at the very least, she's often been a guest co host with a Ryan Seacrest type. The Ryan Seacrest type, she's been on a few, yes, definitely. Um, but brilliantly, as Princess Carolyn finally gets through all of that, the reminders of the bad choices that have led to this very moment, she, of course, gets fired in this episode, which is great, uh, mm-hmm. which is just what we wanted, because uh, Courtney, Port- Courtney Portnoy fires her, and she has a bunch of things she's dissatisfied with, Michael, to which point Princess Carolyn says, who knew Portnoy had so many complaints, which sounds like just an off-handed comment, but is actually a reference to the book, Portnoy's Complaint by Philip Roth. How about that for you? Ah, good. Which is a novel that tells the humorous monologue of a lust-ridden, mother-addicted young Jewish bachelor who confesses his psych- to his psychoanalyst in intimate, shameful, and coarse, abusive language. There you go. So, yeah, that's good. I know you were wondering, so I thought I'd let you know. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Indeed. Because um, that's such a throwaway line as well. Yeah, like really, really throw away. But that is a relevant line nonetheless. Um, Judah is not to be upstaged here because, of course, he tries his hand at a bit of punnery, which he immediately apologises for. (laughs) It's Judah. But he obviously says, perhaps it would behoove us to entice Bojack Horseman back to our stable. Because he's a horse, Michael. I don't know if you knew that. He's a sad horse, but he's still a horse. He says, before cutting himself off, I don't think it's wise to look a gift opportunity in the mouth. <laughs> um, but we go across to pr- uh, Mr. Peanut Butter at his brand new little desk. We don't really know exactly where it is. Woodchuck's mm-hmm. office, as we presume. Um, but I thought this was cute. He answers the phone, more for Mr. Peanut Butter, obviously, which is a quick reversal of what we see Bojack doing on the phone earlier when he's trying yes. to this whether he should answer more for Gojack instead. Yeah. My question to you is, who did it first? Is is Mr. Peanut Butter copying Bojack, or the fact that he's already got it nailed down, does it mean Bojack's maybe trying to steal his idea? I don't know. Or have they both just watched the same TV show and have taken some inspiration from somewhere? I'll have to let you decide on that one. That Peanut Butter is getting it right, and Bojack's flubbing it is very them as well. Yet again, they always remain on the same track, but one smooth sailing, and Bojack's is this like jagged line where he's <laughs> tripping up over himself. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And the brilliant part about this is, though, Mr. Peanut Butter, the reason why he's doing so well, Michael, is because he's got a bunch of motivational post-it notes on his wall, mm-hmm. which I think you can, you'll agree are just sublime. One of them just says, smile. The other one says, good boy. <laughs> Another one says, it's a shopping list. It just says, bananas, eggs, more sticky notes. 
And then right at the bottom of all of that, there's a picture of him with his very best friend, definitely not best friend, a very disgruntled looking woodchuck who he poses with, who just looks like he does not want to be in the picture. (laughs) And the only thing that is topped by is the fact that Mr. Peanut Butter has a desk full of stationery, Michael, but the only stationery on his desk is just a whole tray of crayons, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was brilliant. We then go from there, we go across to the jewellery store, Wales Jewellery Store, as it is called in uh, this episode. And a little throwaway gag, as Princess Carolyn first goes into the store, very quickly on on her right, but our left as she walks in the store, you'll see there's a woman who's looking at a bunch of jewellery. Just uh, She's having a bit of a browse. She gets a bit shocked when Carolyn comes in. The woman is, of course, a magpie woman, Michael, who is staring at all the shiny things. And as Carolyn goes to take her necklace to the counter, the magpie woman slyly puts a necklace in her own purse. Oh, great. She's going to steal it because she's a magpie, Michael. She's attracted to the shiny things. She's going to steal them and take them away in a horn. We go back to the future classroom. Um, and I think we mentioned it, so I'll just briefly touch it. But the amazing cat animations we obviously talked about when uh, Ruthie is re- retelling the tale of, mm. which I know was a fake tale in the end, of the history of her, her cat ancestry. Um, then we also go back and find out that Judah, I don't know if we knew this already, but it certainly felt like it was the first time we see it on screen. We see the image of Judah on um, Ruthie's presentation. And we learn that his full name is Judah Manodog in this episode. I don't know if we knew yeah. that already. But there you go. There's a little tidbit in case we didn't. And I also thought it was brilliant that there's Toph, the little turtle guy, we think, who we were talking about earlier, the pupil from the classroom, gets told to um, to take his hush pill or whatever. And as he's in the middle of going to talk, the little tentacle pops about of his desk. And if you just catch it, the tablet on it has stamped future Adderall. That's what it says. It just, <laughs> it just gets jammed in his mouth before he can say anything. And obviously completely shuts him up, basically. <laughs> We go across to the very glum-looking Los Angeles County Courthouse, as we mentioned already. Court, courthouse? Courthouse, even. <laughs> there is a courthouse, but we'll get into that in just a second. But outside of the county courthouse, uh, there's an ice, ice cream truck parked outside, which reads, Ice Cream and Bail Bonds, Michael. <laughs> which, <laughs> I was like, hey, if, I would want to get but, some. If I could. where it is. You know. It is. It certainly is. But, of course, in a big queue outside there, one of the people who's waiting to get ice cream is one of the tattooed prisoners who's been in prison with Todd in the past in season one, uh, who's waiting for ice cream. You recognise him. I don't know which group he was from, but he's from one of the gangs in the prison. Um, but then we go into the uh, the, the court. Oh, I keep wanting to call it courthouse. <laughs> we're call it DMV from now on. I know it's not that, but we're going to call it that just for simplicity. We go into the DMV, and in the queue the Bojack's waiting in, there are two men in the queue who are wearing yellow beanies, obviously a continuation of Todd's fashion catching on. One of the guys is wearing a red hoodie, of course, as well. The other guy, though, Michael, is wearing a red T-shirt, and when he turns around, it is revealed that the T-shirt is a Chicken for Days T-shirt as well. (laughs) Just in case you've forgotten, Chicken for Daisy, totally crazy, Michael. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But also in the background, another gag, there is um, the Lima photographer who we've seen multiple times in this show taking high-profile pictures. Um, is taking a picture of a couple who are standing at the marriage desk. Uh, there's a zebra and there is what I believe to be either a leopard or a cheetah woman. They've just got married. They're all happy and they're posing and they're getting their picture taken. Remember that because it's going to come in handy later. There's a bunch of other signs though in this place. Uh, on the actual main kiosk that Bojack's waiting to, the signs say, no loud talking. No quiet whispering. 
no eating, drinking, or smoking. And then the other one says, no justice, no peace. Up <laughs> <laughs> until we finally get to the counter that says, don't feed the ducks, but it's just a picture of a duck person being fed bread, but then getting whacked away from his mouth. <laughs> um, there's a guy in the queue also, one of the guys, it's the guy wearing the Chicken for Days t-shirt. As Bojack mentions how he's famous and he's walking through and he's doing the right thing as he walks through this queue. A guy says, um, this is like when George Clooney married that famous lady, that, that less famous lady. And the other guy says, wait, don't you mean George Clooney's? To which, to which he replies, who cares? <laughs> because at this point, it really doesn't matter. We know what they're talking about. Um, but also another funny gag is as Bojack gets sent to the other queue to go and wait for his number, the person who's waiting on the kiosk there is a slug because, of course, that kiosk is going to be slow as hell because the queue is massive. Uh, we leave there and go to the St. Bernard Medical Centre where Princess Carolyn is talking to the albino rhino gyno who just can't help himself. You mentioned he's really bad at giving bad news, and you're not wrong. Uh, he says, I guess it's funny for us, maybe. He says, as Charles Lindbergh would say, sometimes you fly an aeroplane, sometimes you lose a baby. In this, in this case, you didn't fly the aeroplane. <laughs> Fuck, man. For anybody who doesn't already know, just to distract you from the horrific nature of that joke, Charles Lindbergh was an American aviator, military officer and author, inventor and activist, just in case we can sort of take your mind off that for just a second. Anyway, we go back to the Wales jewellery store and as Princess Carolyn is going to pick up her necklace, we find out, of course, that it's not actually worth that much and the shop clerk holds up an iPad with a description for the necklace. Well, the necklace, as is described here, an imitation Cleocatra necklace, Michael. So it mm. does tie in Cleocatra back Very in the nice, beginning yes. of the episode. Uh, it says, at a glance, it's from 1963. It's gold-plated, estimated value of $15. And as the copy reads below, it says, as part of an Art Deco revival line of jewellery and, and accessories, this piece was conceived to capitalise on the cultural no novelty of Egypt, which had captivated a nation board with the boogie European crap. <laughs> <laughs> this necklace features a red glass cabochon and gold plating. The design proved to be unpopular and was quietly pulled from the spring line mid-season. So not even like it's done well, this. This is also a necklace one. that has done bad over the course of its lifetime. Lifetime, But hey, Princess Carolyn likes um, It's a triangle, is that, isn't it? It is, the triangle, mate. We'll not get into that. We haven't got time to get into that. Like, <laughs> there is way too much going on. But it's also a downward-facing triangle, I think is important to note. It is not an upward-facing triangle. Um, so we leave the jewellery store once again. We go to Ralph's office this time, where he has been working away, doing apparently more important stuff than finding out whether his kid's going to be okay. Thanks mm. for that, Ralph. More of that later on, I'm sure. Um, but in fairness to him, he does have a whiteboard full of very funny stuff here, and it's massive and it's ridiculous. And I'm sorry, but I have to do it. It's my job. Yeah, I, I want pick the side, yeah. and I have to do it. <laughs> so the whiteboard is full of holiday day ideas. Basically, is the idea that for the board, and I'm just going to run through them. One of them is called Acknowledge Your Gardener Day, which <laughs> is a callback, I think, to literally the last episode where they visit the Stiltons, and if you recall, Ralph's father literally offers the lobster gardener of his house to Princess Carolyn as a potential meal. <laughs> you spoke correctly. So I think we should acknowledge the gardeners, yeah? I think yeah. that's a good idea. I think that's where it's been spawned from. 
Um, food for thought, I guess, is the way you could describe that. Um, <laughs> so the other ideas also include Malt Day. There's also Arbor Day 2, which is, of course, a nod to Arbor Day that gets mentioned earlier in the episode. There's one idea that's been scribbled out on the board, Michael, because it's already been done, which is Halloween in January, which is a nice call ah, yeah. to Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter's venture, Halloween in January. The other ideas are Week Appreciation Day. <laughs> Just <laughs> appreciate the week. Uh, Lion Pride Day. Old Year's Eve. Columbus Day, not to be confused with Columbus Day, Columbus Day, which is Columbus, of course, is a black and white Columbus monkey this is in reference to. Okay. And then next to it, it says, there's like a little dash that says, Indigenous Poodles Day, question mark. And <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a happy hibernation, take yourself to work day, which genuinely <laughs> felt like one that hit, the one that hit me the most at the moment. <gasps> because God, do all these days feel the same at the moment. <sighs> Yeah, 2021. Uh, there's also Cinco de Rhino instead of Cinco <laughs> de Rhino, which I guess is a nod to the only albino rhino gyno that we know, maybe. I don't know. Um, or maybe, Michael, here's another one for you. Cinco de Rhino, five miscarriages for Princess Carolyn. Rhino, five miscarriages. Oh, Just wow. Thought. Yeah. Just a thought. Tying the dots here. Uh, there's also Spawning Week, Groundhog Persons. There's also Happy Pronica. <laughs> <laughs> There's also time for lunch day. There's something with cheese, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Belaba day. Whew, that's the last of it. I'm sorry. That's, I told you it was going to be bad. But hey, something with cheese, question mark. <laughs> Which maybe ties, ties in well to this next bit, because on his wall, there is an award that he's won. It says, greeting card of the year. And if you read the copy for the award that's been awarded to one Ralph Stilton, it says it's awarded for creative excellence in the greeting card industry and voted on by a panel who have no experience or education other than awarding paper certificates to people who need meaningless validation. So there you go. <laughs> Some good stuff for you there. Anyway, we jump out. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. We jump out and we go back to the future classroom. I thought it was great how the little meta joke we get where uh, Ruthie starts to get off track and teach bot. Um, when she starts to talk about Bojack again, gets a, a massive red alert message on teach bot's <laughs> chest. There's unauthorized B story alert on her chest. It just keeps flashing every time Bojack, and when she specifically talks about going back to Bojack and Diane's narrative, which I just thought was really cute. Then we go back to the county courthouse again. Courthouse, courthouse, the DMV. God, <laughs> God damn it. Brilliantly, though, remember the zebra, as we mentioned earlier on, who'd just been married to the cheetah slash leopard. We couldn't decide. I, th I think I'll go with cheetah. Well, basically, they were stood at the marriage's desk. They are now stood at the divorce's desk, which literally can only have been a matter of hours, let's be honest. The zebra <laughs> has now got a sling on his arm, presumably, as you perfectly pointed out, where his spouse has tried to bite him or eat him, <laughs> maybe, because it's predator versus prey. It was never going to last. This was never, never going to last. But hey, you know, sometimes opposites attract in ways that you weren't expecting. <laughs> maybe, maybe weren't expecting to be each other's dinner, though. That was probably nah, not. It should have been a visual thing. I know that, like, you get love at first sight, but it's spots and stripes. There were, it was just wasn't meant to be, was it? You know? Spots and stripes. Or is it love at first bite, Michael? Who knows? It clearly <laughs> wasn't. It clearly wasn't. It was divorce at first bite, actually. <laughs> oh, well. We go across to Sandro's place, though, as you mentioned. Now, this is the great gag, of course, the uh, the Missakeri gags, as you as you put them. I just thought the way they went from 
shoehorning in that the Red Wayne, the Chateauneuf de Pape, was inspired by the drama scandal, which Miss mm. Acaria Washington is in, <laughs> which then leads on to Miss Kerry Underwood, Miss Kerry Mulligan, and Miss Kerry first name Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, they have done a really great thing here because, well, I mean, not like that, obviously. <laughs> but between the, the names that we get, we get four Miss Carries, which is four Miss Carriages, add in the one that Princess Carolyn has had today, and it is a foreshadowing to the five Miss Carriages. Oh, that's really good, yeah. Carolyn has had and tells Ralph she's had in the end. So that's two we've had now. Two instances. Yeah. Cinco de Rhino, of course, and we also got, which is maybe a bit more subtle, that one, and we also got the five Miss Carries, which I thought was <laughs> as tragic as it is, it's it's uh, still pretty good. Uh, I appreciate that. This show, eh? This boat, it's better than the show you like and yeah. hurting you in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, we go to Princess Carolyn's old apartment. We are almost there. And I just thought it was funny, all the clown dentist stuff that's going on in this room. There's like a <laughs> box full of clown noses and a box full of lollipops because obviously the dentists get out the lollipops, the clowns wear the noses. There's also bottles it's of wild, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. I, sorry, sorry to quit, but like I try to take notes to describe this. I, it is a wild scene that they've created here. Absolute madness and insanity. Uh, the bottles, there's bottle upon bottle, and I mean like industrial sized bottle of what is meant to be Listerine, but it's called Kisterine in the show. Um, <laughs> and Todd is literally filling a paddling pool full of Listerine. <laughs> why? Nobody knows. It never explained why. <laughs> never explained why. And obviously when they clear out, he even picks up the paddling pool and throws it out the window and then jumps in it himself as they land on the grass outside. It's absolutely insane. But there is a nice tie back to the last episode as well. Uh, and just kind of the impact that um, Princess Carolyn felt when they go to the Stilton's house and they're all doing these same squeaky day celebration. Is it this, you know, the... the the cat celebration that the yes mm, yeah it was the mice, there, the mice do yeah I'm trying to remember the way around it is and if you remember rightly there was a whole song that they sang uh, about how I'm look at me I'm a dumb cat queen was the song and there's a whole bunch of lyrics to go with it Princess Carolyn while drunk is actually singing part of this song but she starts to change the lyrics so she sings swinging around as she's drunk as a skunk saying look at me I'm a dumb cat queen my baby was the size of a kidney bean, is what she sings, changing the lyrics. Just a reminder that the Stiltons suck, by the way. And <laughs> she's obviously in a very bad place. Um, yeah. I also thought this quote was just so, like, oh, what a punch. And a, and a deserving one as well, I think, for Ralph. Um, when she just says, it's so easy for you to love me when everything's good. Mm. The amount of times we've seen Ralph sigh or do that stupid noise that he makes when things aren't going his way. And this is the biggest thing, not going her way. And he still yeah. makes it out like it's something. I know they're in this together, but this is, I don't know, him trying it's, to take any ownership I, over. This is. It's tremendous as well that, like, we've obviously been so protective of Princess Carolyn that when they're in what appears to be a happy relationship, we're kind of kinder to his flaws. Yeah. The second that he split up, that they split yeah, up, you know, like, that stupid little goddamn noise he makes. Like, <laughs> like if you went for a pint with him afterwards, you'd be like, oh, you're best off without him. That little noise he made, what a dick. What a dick. I used to hate all those times you pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, all those all those little flaws. 
right? It's so much easier to magnify them once they're officially out of each other's lives compared to when you, with her, were kind of trying to make them work. Because you're still technically with her, isn't he? You don't want to be the yeah. guy who, who's shooting on who's shooting on a partner. <laughs> um, last but not least, though, for anybody who was, of course, paying attention and who you know sticks around for the credits, you'll notice that the song was different for the end of mm. the episode. We didn't get the usual "Back in the '90s" by Groupie Love. Um, it was a song called "Oh Heart" by Tank and the Bangers. Uh, now I won't go into the lyrics. We are way over shot I think yeah but do go and read them there's a lot of animal references in there there's a lot of references to love there's all sorts going on there it feels like an appropriate song they wouldn't put it there if it wasn't worth it so in terms of one last thing this week for me I don't want to jump ahead of myself um, in fact no that's your one last thing audience you can go and listen to that song and just <laughs> and pick through it because genuinely there's enough in there for you to get a little treat I would imagine after it but that is for this week's episode everything from the horse and around segment but as i've just alluded to there because i'm all out of sorts michael i've been rambling for ages here and it's the first one back i can feel the rust and i've been fighting it off all night so let's just keep soldiering on it is time for one last thing and then i swear to god we will shut up about this podcast forever and you have to go first this week okay i'm happy to go first it's just a quick one it's a really nice one. So the whole episode is obviously a figment of Princess Caroline's imagination. Isn't that goddamn really sad? But even in the story that she has imagined to try to make her awful day somehow better, she is subconsciously brilliant. Princess Caroline's brilliance is in her DNA that she is functional and fantastic even when she doesn't realise it. Mm. Ruthie is giving her a presentation because in 2121, it's Ancestry Day. She came up with the occasion for Ralph in her subconscious. Wow. He never landed on, he had a crap on, I think he pitched Paperweight Day, and she immediately spotted the floor in it. What, you're going to give you card to a piece of paper that then has to sit on top of the <laughs> in order for it to, the paper has to sit on top of the cards. It can't even be open. She immediately pointed at the floor in it. Ruthie is, of course, celebrating Ancestry Day. So she has actually cooked up the solution to Ralph's problem in the imagined better version of her day. She's the best. Brilliant. That's great, that I didn't even I didn't even clock that myself because I had because so, as you could probably see, I was reading so many off Ralph's goddamn <laughs> whiteboard. <laughs> I didn't have time to take any more in, unfortunately. My one last thing is I guess technically accounts, but it's a nice one. It's a it's a good one for you and me specifically. Um, so this doesn't tie into it at all this was just me trying to do some mental maths but you will find that there is a 104 year gap between uh, the futuristic timeline of 2121 and the 2017 timeline that this episode was of course set in in Bojack's real time 104 years which I think we can all agree felt like last year uh, if you're listening to this podcast in 2021 but despite all of that Michael not including the recap episodes, of course, like the ones where we've done re like we've rolled out new episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, rolled out previous episodes for the Christmas episode, example, for example, where we rolled out a new one or any notifications where we posted out like last week. This is the fiftieth episode of oh, Podcast Huntsman. Lovely. There you go. How about that? The fiftieth really episode nice. of the podcast where we've, you know, I'm including that's including season episodes so far and season recaps. 
if you if if there's people out there who are probably going to count the other ones and go well technically technically in terms of content this is the 50th episode of podcast horseman so happy birthday to us 50 episodes of podcast horseman a milestone reached in this crap year that's coming from the back of another crap year i'd say that's pretty good 50 episodes ago we sat down for the first time in a studio to record a podcast that pretty quickly we wouldn't even be able to be permitted to record in real life. <laughs> so we, we were recording you. a podcast that became illegal within three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyone that is picking up from that episode one all the way back and, and notices, well, two things. I was going to say a sharp decline in quality. I don't want to undermine our work there, but I can undermine our mental state, which has sharply declined <laughs> since March. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you for flagging that up and thank you everyone listening for being along for 50 episodes this has and i can say this this is the perfect time to say this i thought you were just flagging up but it feels like it's been 104 years since we last recorded because it yeah. certainly felt like that for me the last four weeks or so um yeah it's been class so far we are far from the end so this is not us throwing flowers on the grave of podcast oh, no, no. but it's just it feels like a nice as time as any um, to say how class this has been. Um, we get very nice messages. We're very spoiled to get messages about this podcast, about some of the other stuff we do. If you've ever listened to or heard any of our things at What Culture about how, I don't know, a podcast is something to listen to as a bit of a distraction. Believe us, it is that same distraction for us. This once a week coming together, the watching of the show, the thinking about the show, the talking about the show, um, the talking ourselves horse is all shoot. It's all real. And it's something that isn't staring at you all or having an existential crisis or wondering when you're going to get your life back this is better than all of those things so thank you for being along for the 50 episodes if you've uh, if you've listened along to all of them and if you haven't and this is your first one go back to the very beginning and marvel at what sounds like futuristic production quality compared to this well don't 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 pitch it too good because i haven't listened to it since and it might sound worse <laughs> who knows maybe we were doing a bad job all those all those moons ago <laughs> But no, genuinely, like I just thought it was, I have been waiting to say this for literal weeks, obviously, because <laughs> I have known about this since, oh. what was it, like before Christmas, I knew we were heading towards it. And then obviously we had to wait and there was delays here, there and everywhere. Obviously, I'm glad you're alive and stuff. And well, that's that's a plus. It would have been really <laughs> hard to do the rest of the episodes by myself. <laughs> but because uh, I wouldn't want to do both of those things. I would have been sick by the end. I would have had to do like two personalities or something. Um just imagine you saying, right, let me get this out of the way. There's an elephant in the room. Elephant, of course, being because this is Bojack Horseman. Uh, Hamlet's got COVID and he's not coming back. So. <laughs> he's not coming back. He's never coming back. Um, but no, seriously, thank you to everybody who's stuck with us so far. And I'll, I wanted to take this chance as well to uh, say, because we do get a lot of messages in the old DMs. Now, we try our best. Like, we, we admittedly, we don't tend to respond to them straight away because we are just both swamp with other stuff usually um, and most of the time it's because the messages are so big and heartfelt and that we would want to respond yeah. properly we did respond to a bunch of them uh, around about the new year or Christmas time I can't remember um, but we have continued to get them and to everybody who sent us like your long messages or like just really nice things to say you don't have to do, obviously take the time out of your day to do that genuinely they mean the world to us it's really mm. really nice to read like especially when things are tough and times are hard. Like I know you say that the podcast gives you guys something nice, and we, but we've been desperate to get back to doing it, yeah. uh, and we're really happy that we can. But genuinely, thank you for all the kind words. They do not go unnoticed, and I realise we may not be able to respond to all of them, um, but we do see them, and they do mean a lot. So 
Mm. Please don't feel like you haven't been heard because you really have, uh, and it means a lot. But instead of us sitting here having a big celebration for 50 episodes, we need to start moving towards the rest of them and get back on track. Mm. So let's just quickly plug the podcast now, if we haven't already plugged it plenty enough. <laughs> 50 episodes worth of plugging. But as always, if you have enjoyed this podcast and you would like more of it or you want to find out more about the podcast, you can follow it on all the good places on social media, Twitter or Instagram, at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. Again, please do send us a message. The DMs are, of course, open. If you have any thoughts, please do share them with us. We want we started the podcast to talk ourselves horse about a talking horse and grow the community of watchers of this show. And it seems like we've done that because even some of our colleagues, Michael Hamlet, mm. seems are starting to get in on the Bojack Horseman uh, wagon. I think anybody who is a fan, of course, of what culture will notice that Adam Cleary has finally finished Bojack Horseman, which he's watched in lockdown. Loved it. Almost like two geniuses said, hey, this is a really good show. So much for the podcast. <laughs> More people should be listening to and watching it. But please do let us, like, follow us, talk about the show. That's what we're here for. If you'd like to speak to myself or Michael direct on Twitter, you can give us a follow as well at It's Adam Nicholas for me and for Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. Um, yeah, we love you. Uh, obviously, keep listening to the podcast if you're not already a regular subscriber. Go and do that for us at Apple Podcasts or perhaps on Spotify where you can follow or on Amazon Music where Christ knows, I don't know, Jeff Bezos probably makes some money from us, but yeah, you get to listen to it. Prime's pretty <laughs> helpful at this time in all our lives. Um, yeah, you can find it on Acast. There's a link that goes up every Friday with every new episode on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed, and you can subscribe to there as well. Search for Podcast Horseman on Google, and you will find it on your favourite podcast player, and that's the main thing. Um, also, if you want to leave us some feedback, it's typically through Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. If you know another way, by all means, do it through that. Uh, a few words, and of course, those lovely sweet five stars. Um, you've heard this on every podcast you've ever listened to. It's really good for the boring stuff, like the algorithms. Helps us get uh, shot up in the charts above all the other podcasts uh, that probably sound a lot better than ours about other TV <laughs> shows that are more popular than Bojack Horseman. So when we penetrate that chart, it's particularly great. Uh, it's been class to see us in the top 200 in, uh, in TV and film on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes chart. Uh, and those reviews, fabulously helpful towards that. Um, you give us five stars, leave us a review, and we'll give you a star in our personal Hollywood Talk of Fame, and we will review, uh, read your review out on the podcast, which is what we're going to do now as we induct our latest member. It's from Tim's, which is T-I-M-M-S-S. <laughs> that wasn't just me. Enunciating <laughs> for a bit of clown color. Um, I like these ones. The, sub, the, like the little heading for the review is A, the stars are five, and the review is... You guys are awesome, with a clapping emoji. My ego welcomes reviews like that in the middle of an ongoing global bastard of a pandemic. So I will more than take those. Thank you very much, Tims, for your five-star review. A start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be winging its way to you over our socials soon. Yes, it will. That is a good review, that, isn't it? Just nice and simple. Five stars, it's what we wanted. They deliver the goods, yeah. and they get what they want <laughs> in return. You see, it's not complicated. If you want to do it, go and find that and give us a five-star review. Maybe that was through um, Amazon, because that was quite an Amazon Prime of a delivery, wasn't it? He's left it at the doorstep, he's stood <laughs> back, he's near so he got it, and he's left. And Tim's anything, is out of there. I imagine he told you he was going to do it on Wednesday, but actually dropped it off on the Monday ahead of time just to surprise you. <laughs> like, just swoop, swooped in there with a review. Fantastic stuff. Thank you to everybody who does that. We do also genuinely appreciate it, because it helps this podcast a whole lot. But before we go now, before mm. we go... Let's have a quick dip into the Netflix synopsis, shall we, for next week's episode. 
Uh, we are back in the swing of things. And sorry if there has been any rust from either of us. We're still trying to get back in the swing. It's been a while. But I think we've done all right, you know. I think we've done all right. Loved it. It's been all right. Anyway, next week's episode will be Season 4, Episode 10. And it's called Loving That Cali Lifestyle. The synopsis is as follows. Diane leaks damaging information on Jessica Beale. Todd's clown dentist business hits a snag, who would have thought. And Princess Carolyn finds hope in an unlikely place. God damn it. Who knows where, but we know we need it right about now. <laughs> so let's look forward to that. If you want to find out what happens in that episode, well, guess what, man? You're just going to have to wait until next week when we will drop the following episode of Podcast Horseman. Or indeed, just go and watch it on Netflix now and you can watch it again when you come to listen to this podcast. Anyway, with that said... I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this, gladly returning, has been Podcast Horseman. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.